To follow me, you need to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. See, just as Jesus, the good shepherd, gives his life, he invites us as we follow him also to give up our lives. And what's unfortunate is that what we've done as pastors and church leaders in this generation is we've created a space that people can follow Jesus, but not give up their lives. If you're a part of the family of believers that follow Jesus, then you know the grace and power of the Good Shepherd. But there are many people who don't yet know Jesus. And today, Pastor Daniel will share about how the body has come together to seek after those sheep, leading them to the safety that the shepherd brings. But first, you have to lay down your life just as he did, so he can remake you to reflect his nature. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part two of his message entitled, I Am the Good Shepherd. You know, because we live thousands of years after the Bible was written, oftentimes we miss some of the references because times and seasons have changed. If you think about it, there are certain things that people have said in previous generations that if you say today, sounds totally horrific. Like if you lived in England in the 60s and you said, I'm going to go out and smoke a fag. That sounds horrible, doesn't it, in our generation? It sounds horrible. No, no, matter, no matter how you choose to translate the word smoke, it, neither way it works. But that was a very common phrase in the 60s and 70s about going out and smoking a cigarette. Because in England, they call cigarettes fags. Now, you say that today, and it sounds completely offensive, especially if you say it in church. So when you translate things from different cultures and different times, how many of you are totally uncomfortable that I use that as an analogy? It's okay. I did it on purpose. I wanted to make sure everyone was awake and ready for church. See... Oftentimes, when you take things out of one context and you speak them into another context, it doesn't always translate in our hearts. And I think that the way Jesus characterizes himself in this message, in this I Am series, we miss how powerful the picture is because we don't live out the culture that they lived out back in the day. The picture today is that Jesus is the good shepherd. And it's very, very rare in 21st century America for somebody to tend to sheep as their livelihood. We live in a technological society now. We live in a, in, instead of being an agrarian society, now we have a, a more commoditized society. So people do different types of work and shepherding in Jesus' day was the most common form of work for the children of Israel. That was the most basic, average, common job that most of the people had. So as we continue this I Am series, I want you to open up in your Bible to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. 
as we take the second I am statement of Jesus in John chapter 10, and we're going to focus down on this idea that Jesus is the good shepherd. So John's gospel, chapter 10, we're going to pick up in verse 11. What I want to do is I want to read all the way down to verse 21 so we take the whole passage and then we'll break it apart. And the beauty of this text for me as a teacher is I really don't need to come up with anything witty. It's all so deep and powerful that I'm just going to be like, hey, notice this. Hey, notice this. Hey, I want you to notice this. Hey, check this out. So look what Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 11. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and he leaves the sheep and he flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and he scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. And I know my sheep and I'm known by my own. As the father knows me, even so I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring and they will hear my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Verse 17, therefore my father loves me because I laid down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. Therefore, there was a division again amongst the Jews because of these sayings. And many of them said, he has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? And others said, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Now, we talked about how these two I am statements in John chapter 10, Jesus says, I am the door, and now he says, I am the good shepherd, right? They are linked to Jesus opening and healing a blind man, healing him. And this man gets excommunicated from the temple. All this guy did was wrong was he asked Jesus for help and Jesus healed him. And so his interaction with Jesus has now led to him literally getting thrown out of the temple, not allowed to be there. And so first Jesus says that I am the door of the sheep. And if you weren't here, we went through the whole thing. And then once we move to verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Now, quite simply, this teaches us that Jesus is the good shepherd. He said, I am the good shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. Now, if we're not careful, we might have a tendency to miss the fact that Jesus calling himself the good shepherd has a very rich and long history within the Bible. This idea of God being a shepherd who cares for his people like a shepherd does his sheep. Very, very common. You think about something like Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Very classic, famous psalm. The picture pops up also in the prophetic books in Jeremiah chapter 23 and Ezekiel chapter 34. God pops up and he says, I am the shepherd. I'm going to I want you to keep your finger here, and I want you to 
turn to Ezekiel 34. I want you to turn there with me because I wasn't actually planning on doing this, but as I was driving in today, I was thinking about Ezekiel 34 and I was kind of riveted once again by God's prophetic word foretold through the mouth of a prophet hundreds of years before Jesus. Listen to what it says. Ezekiel 34 verse 1 says, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God to the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. The weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who were sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost. But with force and cruelty, you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And they became food for all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. My sheep wandered through all the mountains and on every high hill. Yes, my flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth and no one was seeking or searching for them. Therefore, you shepherds, Hear the voice or the word of the Lord. As I live, says the Lord God, surely because my flock became a prey and my flock became food for every beast of the field because there was no shepherd, nor did my shepherds search for my flock, but the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. Therefore, O shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds and I will require my flock at their hand. I will cause them to cease feeding the sheep and the shepherds shall feed themselves no more for I will deliver my flock from the mouths that they may no longer be food for them. For thus says the Lord God, indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is among his scattered sheep, so will I seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and I will bring them to my own land and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, in the valleys and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them in good pasture and their fold shall be on the high mountains of Israel. In verse 15, I will feed my flock and I will make them lie down. Yeah. You realize that that scripture that I just read from the prophet Ezekiel, some 600 years before Jesus shows up, and God is prophesying against the shepherds, the leaders of Israel, because they're taking care of themselves and they're not caring for the sheep. And he says, listen, because you guys don't care about the sheep, I'm going to come and I'm going to shepherd my own sheep. And then Jesus shows up in John chapter 10, 600 years later, and he says, I am the good shepherd. You can imagine, we, we just say, okay, he's the good shepherd. Cool. Okay, I don't, I don't know really what that means, but fine. But in that culture, in that day, that would send ripples through a community. Because Jesus is claiming to be the I am. He's claiming to be God who has come to care for his sheep. That word good in the Greek 
It literally means intrinsically good, beautiful, or fair. It describes what is ideal. Now, when Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, many of us remember that place in the Gospels where the guy came and said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, why do you call me good? There is no one good but who? But God. See, when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, he is claiming to be God in human flesh. He is claiming to be the most audacious claim that a human being can make. He's saying, look, I am God who has come to take care of my own people. I am here now. And this is why Jesus is and will always be the most controversial person who ever stepped foot on the earth. Because of not only claims like this, because most people who claim to be God in human flesh end up in a straitjacket on all sorts of meds that try and level them out. But Jesus backs up his claims with a way of life and a teaching that gives veracity to the claim. He says, I am the good shepherd. Now we're going to unpack this. I want you to notice next. In verse 11, it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Look at verse 15. As the father knows me, even so, this is back in John 10. As the father knows me, even so, I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 17. Therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. Verse 18. No one takes it from me but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it up again. Four different times in a short span, we are taught simply that there is a life given. There is a life given. See, Jesus' shepherding, his care for his people has its root and its fulfillment in the fact that he is willing to give up his life for those who are his. Now, when you think about that, every single love story that our culture values has some aspect to this. Everybody wants to be loved in a way that they would sacrifice themselves Every person wants to be loved that way. I remember there was a movie that came out many years ago now called John Q. Remember that movie with Denzel Washington where he loves his son and doesn't have medical insurance and and the whole thing. And he's the match to give his son a new heart. And by the time this, I don't spoiler alert if you never saw it, but by the time this movie is ending, this man is willing to give up his life for his son and everybody is rallying for him because that's the love of a father. You think of a movie like Braveheart, super popular movie. William Wallace is willing to give up his life for the freedom of his people and the love of his woman. Iron Man. Tony Stark comes around from being a totally self-centered person to saying, I am willing to sacrifice my life for the betterment of humanity. And everyone, we identify with that because there's something in the core of who we are that says to us, we know that real love is willing to go the distance no matter what it costs. I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio 
had made a whole career based on the Titanic movie because he was willing to be in the water so his love could be out of the water and so she didn't freeze to death, but he did. See, Jesus' shepherding abilities, his leadership in our life comes down to him saying, I'm going to give up my life for them. I'm going to lay it down. And what's amazing is Jesus also invites all of us to lay down our lives that we may take it up again as well. See, oftentimes, especially in this generation in the church in the West, everybody wants to take the fangs out of the gospel, the bite out of it. Where Jesus says, if you want to live, you need to give up your life. If you want to achieve greatness, you need to humble yourself and become a servant. If you want to follow me, you need to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. See, just as Jesus, the good shepherd, gives his life, he invites us as we follow him also to give up our lives. And what's unfortunate is that what we've done as pastors and church leaders in this generation is we've created a space that people can follow Jesus but not give up their lives. That's not possible, but we've created a space. Like, listen, you just be you, just put a little Jesus veneer on it. And how? And listen, we all do that in certain ways, right? We want to just live our lives. We just want to know that we got Holy Spirit now and we get into heaven when we're, when we're done. But listen, real life comes through death. A seed dies that a plant may grow. In order to make a fine wine, the grapes have to be crushed. See, Jesus gives his life. That's how he proves he's our shepherd. He is willing to give his life for us. Now, of course, it makes you think of John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down your life for your friends. Jesus is the good shepherd because he is willing to die that we might have life. And God wants to conform us to be like our good shepherd. So I place it at your doorstep as God has placed it at my doorstep as I've been studying this. Are you willing to lay down your life that others may have it? Are you willing to die to your own stuff that somebody else may come to the knowledge of Jesus? Because you know and I know that most people will never actually pick up Genesis to Revelation, the Bible, and read it, but they are reading your life and my life. How's the translation of the Bible in our lives? Does somebody and the people around you, do they see a translation of the reality of Jesus when they look at your life? Do they see you willing to give your life that someone else may have it? Do they see you willing to bite your tongue rather than lashing out when you're really just angry at what was just said? But you know that kindness matters and happens to be a fruit of the Spirit. Jesus is the shepherd 
because he gives his life. Now, look at what happens next. In verse 12, it says, but. You see that word? You guys know my favorite words in the Bible, right? The big butts of the Bible. It's always a contrast. So we have, I'm the good shepherd. The shepherd lays down his life, but a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care for the sheep. What this teaches us is that the shepherd, there is ownership there. There is legitimate ownership where the shepherd is willing to lay down his life, but somebody who's just a hired hand, who doesn't have a vested interest in the sheep, right as some sort of danger comes, in this case, a wolf comes, and all of a sudden the hireling flees because he really doesn't care. He just wants a job. And the, his life is more important to him than the job or the sheep. He's more selfish and self-centered then he is self-sacrificial. And Jesus says, look, the good shepherd will lay down his life because he owns the sheep and he cares about the sheep. The hireling doesn't really care that much. And so when danger comes, the hireling will flee, will flee. And really, this is the, the crux of what we read in Ezekiel 34. What Jesus is getting at here in John chapter 10 is that the religious leaders at this time, really didn't care about the people. They just wanted to self-preserve. Wasn't really willing to go all the way. This man who was healed by Jesus, they just didn't want to deal with him. They weren't even excited for him when a shepherd should have been excited for this man who was broken and has now come to some wholeness and some understanding in life. But they don't care because their attitude's wrong. And see, this is one of the reasons why Jesus is such a powerful presence in our lives. Because Jesus doesn't bail on you when things get rough. See, our culture does that. You watch pop culture. Our culture loves somebody who they love. And right at the moment it can turn, boom, it turns on a dime. And then they go into attack mode. There was a time when Britney Spears was beloved. And then she was a byline, and I think now she's probably somewhere closer to beloved again in our culture, in and out. There's a time when Tom Cruise was <gasps> Tom Cruise, Top Gun. Everybody wanted to be a fighter pilot when I was growing up. You just wanted to play volleyball, right? Have goose on your team, right? And then all of a sudden, Tom Cruise went way off, you know, and everyone's making fun of Tom Cruise, and he's just waiting it out. Now, you might say, oh, well, that's the way, that's the way the world is. The church isn't that way. Yeah, right. Do you ever have a bad go at it when you're in church? People write you off. Jesus is real. Thanks for joining us today for this edition of Jesus is Real Radio. We're so blessed by what God is doing through Jesus is Real Radio. We want to give you the opportunity to partner with us. For anyone who wants to help further the gospel here on Jesus is Real Radio, 
with a gift of $20 or more, we will send you a personalized copy of Pastor Daniel's book, Honestly. I'll be back in a moment to tell you how you can receive your personalized copy. But first, here's Pastor Daniel with more about this special book offer. Thanks, Josh. Honestly is a book I wrote to help people deal with the messiness of life. I mean, we all know it. Life throws us curveballs all the time. We never know what's coming next. But honestly comes from what I've discovered out of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, how you can manage your life through the lens of your relationship with Jesus. It's some powerful stuff, and I've been blessed, as many people have told me, how the book has helped them on their spiritual journey. I'm confident that honestly will be a blessing to you as you walk with Jesus, and I'll be personalizing each and every copy for the Jesus is Real radio listeners who partner with us this month. Here's Josh with some more information. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. Again, to receive your very own personalized copy of Honestly, simply log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on Partner. Then you can securely make your donation of $20 or more, which includes shipping. Remember, by partnering with us this month with your gift, You'll not only receive this great resource, you'll also be enabling Jesus is Real Radio to be heard on this station and many more. That's all the time we have for today. Join us next time for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio. Real. My life is no typical